Hi, I'm Jennifer Wilde, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. It's Sober Exposure, and it's Jennifer Wilde, and I met I met my spirit animal here. So I invited Courtney A. on the show today, and the reason why is because I was listening to her podcast, which is Sober Vibes, and you listen to podcasts, and they're like this, and they're so boring, and a lot of times when they're women, they're like, Oh, and then, you know, all due respect, but you know, Courtney's there. She's being like, fuck. And then my crackhead sister and suck my dick. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to have this chick on my show. I love her. And uh, then I find out uh, she's, she's like Prego, which is hilarious. That makes it even funnier. Anyone that can like say the F word pregnant on a podcast is a friend of mine. So Sober Exposure would like to welcome from the podcast Sober Vibes, Courtney A. How are you, honey? How you doing? I'm good. I love that introduction because some people get so offended by the word fuck. It's like, good God, man. It's such a good word. And my son, actually, there's something on YouTube where it like describes all the different ways that that the word could be used and they like you and they like have like like chalk illustrations it's it's hilarious you got to look for that it's freaking awesome yeah i will i did say i did say fuck the other day and my husband looked at me and he was just like you know when the baby's born and he gets to that age you're going to have to tone it down i said the fuck i'm not <laughs> So this kid's going to pick up on it. And I said, Matthew, you, you, you say fuck all the time. So, so I have a 16 year old son and I think probably one of the saddest moments of my life, it wasn't even when my son said the fuck word. It was when he said, I don't know, for some reason, I swear when he said I farted, like when he used the word fart, I was like, oh my God, he's no longer a baby. He knows the word fart. Like, right. cause he used to be like, mommy, I made gas or mommy, I tooted, you know? Right. And then when he, when he was like, oh, I farted, I was like, oh my God, he's not. It's not a baby anymore. Shit. I, right. Because they do grow up fast. But it is just the point. It's like, look, I'm not going to be swearing like a sailor, but I will try to, I'll try to tone it down a little bit, but it's just part of me. Like you can use these words and people don't need to get offended by, by swear words. Yeah. It's just a word. And if kids, if they don't pick it up at home, they're going to go to school and pick it up from their little friends. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just like drinking. Why not just drink at home? No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> let's um let's get a little background on you, Courtney. Just give us like a Cliff Notes version of of who you are, what you did, how long have you been sober? Give us uh, just a little background on you. Um, background on me. Obviously, my name is Courtney, and I am from the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. Um, I'm 38 years old, you know, a Libra, just a little, little facts about me. But um, I got sober August 18th of 2012. I had a decade long love affair with alcohol. It was my fucking best friend. It was everything to me. During that 10 year um, active addiction, you know, I for three years really loved cocaine, eventually trying crack. I mean, in that period of time too, it started off very innocently. 19 is when I fell in love with drinking because 
Windsor, Canada's across the border, and you can drink over there. The legal drinking age is 19. So that was a 20, 25-minute drive. So we used to go to Canada at 19, and that's just where I fell in love with the whole going out, bar scene, club scene, how alcohol made me feel. And here's the kick in the pants. I always said I wasn't going to be a drinker because alcoholism ran in my family. (laughs) Yeah. I, I used to say the same. My dad used to smoke cigarettes and I'd be like, ew, they're so gross. I'm never going to be a smoker. Hence. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Right. So I said for such a long time, I was like, I, w- I wouldn't drink, you know, and in high school I smoked pot, did, uh, experimented with ecstasy. I don't think that, I don't think marijuana and that kind of stuff is the gateway. I'm, I'm a firm believer of the trauma. Trauma is a huge gateway to what substance you pick up and start coping with you know? So, um, so 19 started drinking by 25. I knew I was going to have, I knew I was going to have to quit one day just because of where my drinking took me. It became super dark. I woke up, I can't even tell you how many beds I woke up in (laughs) with not knowing the dude's name, um, in jail and hospitals, not knowing how I got there. Um, and then by at 29, I was, as they say, sick and tired of being sick and tired. And it was my last night working at the bar because I was transitioning into the medical field full time. And I woke up to my best friend being like, your cat's missing. And you're my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. He is pissed, you know, because apparently I stood over the bed and threatened to kill him that night. Like, who wants to date that? You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. It's just a normal night, threatening to kill my boyfriend. And when yeah. you're like, I don't- when you're like, you don't even know how many beds I slept in. I'm like, yeah, I do. Because it's probably the same amount than me, as me, I should say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I can tell you the name of the bar I met the dude at. I can't tell you the dude's name. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I said from day, I said when I, when I first uh, started the show that you're my spirit animal. So yeah, <laughs> you use the way I did. Yeah. You know, so I, so I woke up that day and of course he was fucking pissed and i felt terrible about my cat and again this was just one of my many i had worse moments in my drinking history but this was the one that it was finally like okay i got to stop like the rate i'm going i'm going to kill myself by the time i'm 35 you know had a few suicide attempts too in that active addiction so it was just time for me to get off the ride and i made a pact to the universe that day and i said if i find my cat because I had lost her for the second time. And we rescued this cat from the streets. I will give this thing and give sober life go. And I haven't touched alcohol since. Wow. So obviously you found the cat. Yes. We found her three days later. This cat peed on me. It was like something out of a movie when I, I know. And every, she had every right to pee on me. I deserved it. And like, she just, it was something out of a movie. People talk about when they quit drinking or using drugs, they have this moment. And I had this moment. I was outside calling for her by the third day again. And she comes out underneath the neighbor's deck, which we checked there multiple times. And this cat has like cobwebs in her fur and like oh. leaves. I know. She looked so pathetic. And I go out and she runs up to me and it was like, I just, everything went into slow-mo. Everything was very quiet outside. And I dropped to my knees and picked up this cat. And it was just my sign for the the universe. Like you have to give a life without alcohol a go. So that was your emotional bottom. This is kind of weird. This is the second animal story that I've heard today. Uh, Just the last person I was talking to. 
um, his bottom was when he was going to put his dog, his beloved dog on Craigslist to sell him for like a 20 rock. Yeah. He was so desperate oh. for money. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's bad. So yeah, that's, that's, but that's where we, but that's where addiction takes you. But yeah. it is one of those things where it's just like, you have this little animal and I, you know, they have souls and it's just, people had been giving me, you know, telling me that I should be, give up drinking for years, but it took me, this cat into the relationship that I was finally in for, for him just to be like, I can't live like this anymore. You want to continue doing this? Great. But I'm not going to be in the picture to do it with you. Did you have any, did you know where to go? How'd you know where to go? You said, okay, so I'm going to stop. What did you do? Did you just put it down? Did you have to detox? Did you go to treatment? Did you go to AA? Tell people like if, if someone's in that situation where they're just tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired, where do you go? What do you do? How do you do it? Uh, re- rehab was never an option for me. I'm, I, rehab was never an option for me. I was never given that, that opportunity or funds to go and do that. So I did quit cold turkey. I do, I do not recommend that for people because I don't know what their uh, yes, the, the medical history because alcohol you can you can die from from mm-hmm. detox, but that isn't to scare you to not stop alcohol stop using alcohol because people will use that as an excuse. There is help out there, but me, I stopped at that point in my life. I was drinking about once a week, so that's my drinking was more of a binge drinking. I was not an everyday drinker, but a binge drinking where it was always 90% of the time I blacked out and it was not good. So I quit cold turkey. I detoxed at home because I did experience um, mild detox. And I went to an AA meeting within those first couple weeks. I went to a couple AA meetings and it was at that time, not a fit for me. I just didn't feel very connected there. Um, my anxiety too was at a high. I was not in the place. The word God made me feel uncomfortable. So I wasn't looking at it like a place for help. I was still kind of in denial. You know what yeah. I mean? I was, I was just talking to someone about this too. In, in early sobriety, it's tough. And I, I am one that came up through the 12 steps and I'm, I'm not bashing AA in any way, but it's tough. In early sobriety, you walk into like a dark church and it smells kind of gross. And mm-hmm. it's like, gee, do I want to be in this dark church or would I rather be out getting high and drinking? For, exactly. So <laughs> I then for two years, two years went just white knuckled it by myself in that time, I got into personal development. In that time, I went back to therapy. I eventually did go back for um, a period of a summer, four, six months, and participated when I was about three years sober in the 12 steps. For anybody out there, you need to try it. Don't knock it before you try it, but you have to put yourself in there and try it. Take what you want and leave the rest. That is my, my suggestion for the 12-step programs. Um, and then really just got into my own, got into fitness for my recovery, got into, hired a couple of different coaches. You know, I've done, I've done a lot of it. I just have not done rehab for my recovery. He, yeah. I mean, rehab is definitely a luxury, uh-huh. but these days, especially the way the insurance companies work and everything, if it, you, you don't have to go through, through, through rehab and, uh, it's such a misconception. Rehab is like going to the the hospital right after you've, it's like 
just emergency care, like mm-hmm. ER. So, I mean, you're gonna go, you're gonna go there for 30 days. It's it's not gonna teach you how to stay sober. The real recovery is once you get out of rehab. Because yeah. if you put me, if you put me in an institution and tell me when to shit, shower, and shave mm-hmm. and lock me up, I'm I'm gonna do okay. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. The real test is 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 when you get out. I'm not and 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 rehab is if you have the opportunity to go. Sure. Does it make it easier? Does it help? Does it introduce you to the 12 steps? Does it? uh, Yeah, of course. But yeah, you don't have to go to treatment to get sober. Absolutely not. I mean, I I was in and out of the program for for years. And when I finally reached my bottom, I didn't go back to treatment. I just decided I was done because I had a terrible thing happen. And I said, you know what? That's it. I'm done. Went to a meeting, raised my hand, said I need help. That's how I did it. I didn't go back to treatment. Yeah. I mean, and definitely those first 90 days, I have to say this is, this is what helped me. I sat my fucking ass home and I modge podge picture frames. I did arts and crafts. And I <laughs> yeah. binge watched the series. Cause again, this was in 2012. So Netflix was just on the come up with the streaming and I streamed Friday night lights with some good old family yeah. show. Yeah. And I watched that. I had to like stop watching my reality television. I'm a sucker for some housewives, but mm-hmm. I had to stop watching that because it was like, okay, the drinking right now is too triggering. So I stayed in my lane and I did my shit. And on Friday nights, because that was my biggest trigger drinking day that I sat and did arts and crafts and baked cookies and watched the show. And I sat at home. Yeah. And I got really uncomfortable with myself to be comfortable. I, I still can't watch those housewives because I, I, I have jealousy issues yeah. and it just, I, I lose my gratitude. You yeah, know, I, I look at them and I'm like, oh my God, look at what they have. Oh my God. I mean, that, cause that's not obviously normal. That's a uh, 0.001% of, of the world. Yeah. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, look at me, look at my life. And then I, I just lose all gratitude. So Fuck those bitches. Anyway, I don't watch that <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I will say the earlier Real Housewives early on in the seasons were great television, but now it's just another thing. It's like it's too much now where it's just like these are that's so ridiculous and over the top. So I yeah. get it. Yeah. But I'm invested. I have all of these years invested into these women. <laughs> all these exactly invested. That's uh-huh. funny. So how did it come about where, so that's what you did and you did the therapy, you did self-help, mm-hmm. you do to do like meditation, anything like that? Oh yeah. I be, I meditate every day and I have been for the last, uh, for every day for the last three years, I have meditated previous to that three years prior, I started my meditation practice. So every morning I do my meditation, my gratitude journal. Um, and then my personal development. So that has really become part, my time and helping me with my own structure. Cause it's so important when you get sober and in your recovery, you have to start creating a structure for yourself. You right. know? So yeah. that is something I created and has helped me with my tools and whatnot. You know, if, if, when it comes to personal development and if you want to get into that, into your sobriety and recovery, I always say to people, put some of this quit lit down, honestly, and you need to start working on stuff to build up your self-esteem and your your confidence in yourself again, because you can't keep listening and reading to other people's stories. 
you have you have to start building your own and making your own because it can be overwhelming with all the qu- the podcasts and the quitlets and all of that stuff the instagram yeah. accounts half the shit you see on instagram's bullshit anyway <laughs> and I, I you know i get sucked into that too the thing about personal development whether you get it through alcoholics anonymous whether uh-huh. you get it through um a life coach or therapy the thing about we alcoholics and addicts is that we we are different we're restless irritable and discontent, uh-huh. AKA without any kind of program or something, we're miserable. That's why we use, right? Yep. Like we're friggin' miserable people. I wake up in the morning and I'm just miserable. I am until I do something, uh, some kind of medicine mm-hmm. to make myself feel better. Now, whether I choose that medicine to be crack or God uh-huh. or meditation <laughs> or helping someone else, is my choice. So you can't just stop. I don't believe you can't just like go to detox, stop the drinking, stop that, you know, the drugging and, and just go on with your merry life. It just doesn't work that way. There's, there's work that has to be done in order to be able to live a life of value and, uh, and quality and to be able to actually feel like a normal human being, whatever normal is. You seem to have gotten some kind of program together that you teach for people that maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, that maybe have not resonated so much with the 12 steps. Yeah, my group. Yes, absolutely. Uh, My group coaching program is called Sober Focus, and I try to work a lot on emotional sobriety in there by sharing these tips and talking about a different topic that's going to either come up in your soul because this is this is where it's different. No matter what, life is life, whether you're sober or not. But with people who are sober, you have to gain tools that you were never given in your childhood because again, that's where it comes to like the trauma and of coping with a substance. You don't know how to cope. I didn't have any fucking hobbies. I had to Google hobbies when I got (laughs) sober. Why do you think I landed on the arts and crafts mod podge and picture frames? I had to legit Google hobbies in 2012 to see because I didn't know anything other than working and drinking. So Anybody can stop using, okay? But it's that having to sit in the uncomfortableness and relearning things that you were never even really shown, that's going to help you live more of a long-term sobriety and recovery. And that's what you teach. Yeah, emotional sobriety and its finest because because I've had so many women reach out and it's like, well, how do I get past three to six months or how do I get past a year? Like, it's just like, well, you, you have to make the choice every day to keep not using and start gaining, putting these tools to use. You have to start figuring out a way how to sit with yourself, how to cope, how to learn when you're triggered by a human being, what tools you're going to use to not allow that person to take you down. Yeah. So, so yes, but again, I will always say you, everybody needs to try the 12 steps because you need to try it and not knock it. Or, you know, all also, (gasps) oh, see, you know what? I think Gizmo needs a meeting. Gizmo's been, (laughs) yeah, Gizmo definitely needs a meeting or in conjunction with the 12 steps. Cause in, in my case, one of the reasons, like one of the problems that I always had is 
So I'm like really into Reiki and crystals mm-hmm. and I love all that realm of things. Mm-hmm. And so there's been times where I was like, God, I'm so bored with AA. I've had it with AA, whatever. And I just like totally just, just jumped completely into the metaphysics and made it only about, oh, the moon and the crystals and this, and, and that's all wonderful. And it is, it's great. It's, it's really good stuff. And it really helps. That's what helps me to connect until there was a really, really powerful full moon. And I said, oh my God, this full moon is really drawing me to cocaine. And I ended up using, and I blamed it on the full moon. Mm. Swear to fucking God. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, now what I do is I mix it up. You know, I I help other alcoholics. I meditate. Mm -hmm. I pray. Mm -hmm. I I go to meetings. Mm -hmm. I don't go to a million meetings. I don't overdose meetings. Like the meeting makers make it is not my motto, you know? And I also do my Reiki and my crystals and my meditation, but I keep everything in balance. So I think that like what you, what you, what you do is great. And I, I, I agree with you that, you know, one size does not fit all. And some people need that extra coaching or accountability. Yeah. And that's definitely, I have four meetings in there a month because again, I want people to be able to stand on their own two feet because, you know, I don't, in that program, I don't want you to have to rely on a meeting every day. You know what I mean? I get it. It works for some people, but it's just like, you can't, cause then there's that cross addiction. <laughs> it's yeah. like you, it's a slippery slope. And when I got sober too, I mean, my cross addiction was definitely food and shopping, but that food thing was there previous to my alcohol thing. So it's just, it's, it's, I'm not trying to make anybody uh, dependent upon me or form this type of codependency or whatnot, but it's just the fact of their support and accountability in there for you if you choose to take it. But every year, in August, I'll be nine years sober. Every year, I have changed some type of form of help for my own self because I'm not the same person I was three uh, at year three when I was doing AA. I'm not the same person I was two years ago when I was working with the mindset coach. You grow out of things and it's totally fine to find something new to help you work through that process that you're in. Now, a mindset coach, what did the mindset coach do? He's actually the one who got me really big into meditating every day. So he helped me with my meditation. He helped me, um, a lot with my mindset as well. Um, lots of visualization with him. So do you do, what kind of meditation do you practice? Do you do? I'm just curious because I like to pick people's brains because yeah. I'm obsessed with meditation and different kinds because there's a million different kinds. I technically, I think there's only like, I can't remember the number, maybe like five, but then there's sub, uh, subject of meditation. So yeah, whatever. Do you do the guided meditation? Do you do breath work? Do you do mantra? Um, I am a huge fan of guided because I like people telling me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) But eventually I want to get into trans, um, trans, transcendental. Yes. Thank you. Meditation. Mm -hmm. I want to, and probably what I'll do, I'll probably do that next year. Um, just because in the past two years with COVID, but I just, want to work with a professional like that. But yes, right now I like guided. Um, I'm starting to get into breath work where I'm making that more consistent. Mm -hmm. So it's, but, but this is the thing you can't, this is shit you, you can't do all at once. 
you have to pace yourself out and figure out because if you do it all at once, you're going to get overwhelmed and be like, what well, have this, you know, it's going to be yeah. too much. So it's just something that in the last nine years, it's something that I have layered and layered and layered and added to. And with the guided meditation, you have to find the right I mean, like if you get someone and and their voice is annoying and you're like, oh God, I hate this chick's voice or this yeah. guy's accent's driving me nuts. I'm I can't do it. I'm not gonna meditate. I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna be focused on the annoyingness. So you gotta find your person, you yes, know? You do. And I'm just gonna do a cheap shot right here because I want this guy to come on my show so freaking bad because he's my person. There's a guy named David G. J I. Okay. This freaking guy, he worked with uh Deepak. And I almost said Tupac, but no, he worked with Deepak Chopra. <laughs> and uh, he he actually, there's such a story behind him. I'm not going to get into him, but all I'm going to say is like, he's a dude from New York that's just like a normal dude that fat got enlightened and he's been doing meditation for years. And he like, you, you just have to like read his books, go on YouTube. Obviously he's not paying me or anything because what he does is he takes this ancient practice and like modernizes it. And makes so much sense. And he goes so deep. This mm-hmm. friggin' dude, man, he kept me off crack. I'm yeah. telling you. Like, David G is the shit. I'm going to look him up. Because I'm yeah. always, I mean, I just, you know, uh, in the past year, I am, I do Gabby Bernstein's meditations. I like her. Mm-hmm. Previous to that, I would just find stuff off of YouTube. There's some days, though, I will just listen to meditation music. Like, you can find stuff like that on YouTube. No mm-hmm. problem. Nowadays, uh, Headspace, which that's where I s- started in that yeah. practice with, with Headspace. They have shit on Netflix now guiding you of what to do. So there's Mm -hmm. options out there. And one of the biggest compliments I got from my sister was (laughs) there was one day she said to me, she was like, what happened to you? And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, you're not reactive anymore. And I said, Kim, it's meditation. I I said, I'm telling you, that is the one thing, like, I'm not a reactive person anymore because of the work I've done with myself because of meditation. I can't even, it's so true because I'm so ADD. I'm so glad that this podcast turned into a, like talking about meditation because I, it's just like my passion, but yeah, like I'm so ADD and nobody's more impatient and uh, like attention deficit and just jumpy than myself. Like mm-hmm. I will like freak out in line, you know, and be like, what's taking so long, you know? And I, I don't do that anymore. And it's because of That's meditation. right. There's tons, the benefits for meditation the sooner you can do it in your sobriety and recovery, the better off you will be. Yeah. It's like, I get, I do get the immediate high, like when I'm done meditating, like if I'm going into, if I'm like feeling like I'm in a brainstem, which is my way of saying, I, I feel like I'm a bitch. I feel like shit. I feel like uh-huh. just untreated alcoholism. And then I, I do a meditation. Immediately I feel better, but the long-term effects, when you just feel like what your sister said, you know, just all of a sudden one day you'll just be like, wait a minute. I feel different, you know, and it's like, yeah. wow. And just reacting to people who will trigger you. You know how many times now I've written out texts and I'm like, delete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't need to say, there's no point. There's, I don't need to react on my emotion. I can wait 24 hours to figure this out of what the hell I want to say. If I want to say anything at all. Yeah. The impulsivity. It, yeah, it, it is. And then it too, it helps with your anxiety for people who suffer with anxiety. Cause I think it's like, 30 million Americans suffer from anxiety, like start meditating. Yeah. 30 million and one, because including me. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. It's great. I got into like um, Tibetan singing bowls, but then you talked about the shopping addiction. Then what happens is, cause I got that too, the shopping addiction, yeah. major, ridiculous. So then I decide I want to get into like crystal healing bowls, Tibetan singing bowls. And then the next thing you know, I have to have the nicest Tibetan singing bowl. So then it's no longer about like meditation and Tibetan singing bowls. Now it's about my shopping addiction. And I have like the best collection of fucking singing bowls than anybody, you know? Well, that's good. You'll have them for a long time. <laughs> oh, we're so sick. It's awesome. Oh, you want to talk about where we shop? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, see, I'm bad. Like, oh yeah. The the eating disorder stuff too. You know, it's like, that's another thing with, with addicts, especially women. Uh-huh. You put the drugs and the alcohol down and here comes the food. Or, well, yeah. yeah. And you know, too, that there is correlation that women who first had an eating disorder should never pick up alcohol. So alcohol and the eating problem go hand in hand. So like for me, I always had a problem with emotional eating. Um, I grew up in a house where at my mom's house, my parents were divorced or are divorced. So my, my, there was never any food in the house at my mom's. And then on the weekends, I would go to my dad's and like binge. So at seven, I got into the cycle of this binging, 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 binging. And then at 19, I found alcohol and that helped me. Yeah. That cycle. But then in my active addiction with alcohol, I still was doing the same thing because when I would be so hungover, when I would be dry heaving on myself, I would order like $30 in Domino's. Yeah. The pizza and the hangover go great together. <laughs> right. And have one pizza pizza and then start the cycle over again. Then I wouldn't eat for a day. So it's just crazy. So if anybody out there listening is has the problem with eating, and alcohol, it's very, very common because a lot of women don't know that. Yeah. It's, it's so important to know that and mm-hmm. it is so common. And mine showed up actually after uh, dr- drugs and alcohol came up first for me, but that's because I started using so early. And then I s- would put down the drugs and alcohol and then the food would al- always pop up the food, you know, the food addiction. And it's so weird. I, I, I said this a couple episodes ago. It's like, that's the one thing like I could sit here and talk about how I smoked crack behind a dumpster and I'm fine. But for some reason, there's so much shame behind talking about my eating disorder. I feel like there's more shame behind that. I don't know why it's weird. But if you think, and I've, I've told my husband this before, the food thing is so hard because you need to eat to survive. You don't yeah. need to smoke crack to survive. You don't need to drink alcohol to survive. You literally need food to survive. So anybody who has that in them, where it's like you go to the pantry or the grocery store, like it is fucked up where it's a choice every day, a couple times a day. I mean, that, that is where that's hard. Have have you ever gone like gas station to gas station, getting candy bars and shit and like being like, Oh my God, I don't want this gas station attendant to see that I'm getting all this stuff or being embarrassed to be like, Oh wait, no, that's not for me. That's for my kid. Yeah. Like, (laughs) <laughs> I have a couple seven elevens when I've gone on a little bit of a binge, I've like been like, Oh my God, <laughs> like you- head down, giving, <laughs> giving my card or the money, not making an eye contact with the nice man behind the counter. Just cause I'm like, Oh yeah, all these donuts are for me. You hear people <laughs> about the liquor store, but you know, you don't think about that, that, you know, you, you, you get shame. Yeah. The shame the eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's real. And I, went to a treatment center where they actually, I didn't go for my food addiction. I went for my alcoholism and my drug addiction and they automatically 
treated food addiction. They said, you know what? If you're an alcoholic, then you're automatically a food addict and a sex addict. So you couldn't have any sugar or flour. Courtney, I kid you not. For the first two weeks, they followed you into the bathroom to make sure you didn't masturbate. <laughs> Man, see, the sex addict thing, the sex addict one, like, whew, that would be a hard one, too. Yeah, that sucked. It's like, come on, at least let me get, let me do something, right? Yeah. Right. So that's the thing. It, that's a natural release. So I just like, oh man, the sex addict one's so interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess some people really can't control their masturb- masturbation, but that will be another show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do, do you are going to have to do a show just based off of um, sex addiction. Please yeah. do it. Yeah. You know, it's, it is a very, very important subject. I went to a treatment center where, I mean, this woman that ran this treatment center was kind of mama papa was convinced that everybody that walked in there was a sex addict. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my friggin' 70 year old mother came in for family group and she's wearing a shirt. Cause you know, she's like this cute little Jewish lady trying to you know be stylish. And she's wearing one of those shirts that's off the shoulder. And, and the counter's like, what are you doing wearing that? Don't you know there's sex addicts in here? I'm like, come on. You think they're looking at my 70-year-old mother? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Damn. So, Courtney, you too have a podcast. Tell us about what the mission is uh, on your podcast. Pretty much the same. Get a little specific. And when do you drop it? Talk about your podcast. And then if somebody wants to pretty much get a sober coach or, or join your program, how can they find you? Yeah. So Sober Vibes is is just, it's a podcast filled with humor. It's for empowerment. It's there to help you in your journey. I talk a lot of your journey of sobriety and recovery. Um, you know, I do a I do it where one episode, it's just me talking. The second one, I always bring up a guest. And then my sister and I, who is a fellow um, crack and alcohol addict as well, um, we have a show within a show called Living on the Edge. There's a lot of humor in that one because my <laughs> sister and I are funny. <laughs> so, but we like to talk about family topics in there too that has to deal with addiction and whatnot. So, Because it's very important for people to understand that dynamic of, you know, the dysfunction inside families and kind of how to move past it and that you don't just need to cut people off and out of your life, um, you know, and you can still have a relationship. So my sister and I do that show. You can find it on all the platforms. Sometimes I go off on tangents. <laughs> Great. Love it. Love a good tangent. I do. And I'm probably going to go off on one, as we talked about before, but I'm probably going to go off on one for one episode for the whole California sober thing. Because as I told you, I just think that it's total bullshit. The California needs to put their stamp on that when people have been doing that for fucking years. Well, yeah. I mean, I did a whole episode on California sober and what pisses me off about it, not so much what pisses you off about it. Uh-huh. is that it's so trendy now and that you have celebrities saying, well, I'm California sober and it's fine and my life's great. Meanwhile, it's telling addicts that they can fucking go use and shit and then it's triggering them and they're dying because it happened to me. Yeah, no, totally. And I've actually, here in Michigan, <laughs> I have had people, friends who have been kicked out of treatments because they have used marijuana to help with their anxiety and they've got kicked out of, um, you know, meetings and whatnot. And it's just, it, 
there just shouldn't be ownership on that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, okay, first of all, California sober, aka marijuana maintenance, a, and yeah. just because marijuana is legalized doesn't mean so alcohol is legal. So that means that we can drink. <laughs> it doesn't well, that, make any sense. Well, but that's where that goes into with the the whole gray area drinking as well, because then it's like, okay, is there a gray area cocaine usage? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Is there a gray area crack usage? I mean, where is, when is this all going to kind of end? You know, I mean, however you get sober is how you get sober. But at the end of the day, that's where sometimes I think now I'm just seeing it on social media where some of these influencers, it's like, but it wasn't fucking easy to get sober. And you cannot portray that because there's somebody who it's taken 25 times to get sober and they end up dying. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, I just think all of these terms because nobody wants to still come to terms of the medical disease of alcoholism, which there is no fucking shame in that. Right. There's no shame. And there's no, I wish to God I can friggin' smoke a big fatty. I'd love to, there's nothing (laughs) I'd love to do more right now and just smoke a big fatty with no consequences. And you know, the, the thing is maybe I could, but I'm right. not, I'm not going to risk it. And I know that I, maybe I could for like the first couple of days, but then I'm going to get bored with that. And then I'm going to drink. And then the night, then all hell, hell breaks loose. And another thing that cracks me up is, so I was talking to somebody about this subject and they were obviously very, very pro California sober. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they use their medical marijuana as prescribed and they're still sober and they use their psychedelics as prescribed but they're still sober. And then he's like, he says to me, well, you know, you're vaping and you drink coffee. I'm like, "Uh, I'm vaping tobacco. So I'm not sober. Yes, that's a drug. And how about your coffee? I was like, come on, dude, I'm not even going to play here. I'm not even going to go there with you, man. I'm not. Yeah. But that's the whole thing. But the same thing goes with prescription medicine. It's just like, you know, and I've been open about it before where I had after my two years of uh, going, you know, white knuckle sobriety, I got Xanax because of my anxiety was so terrible. And then I had people telling me I wasn't sober because I used Xanax. I said, dude, I'm using like half a 0.25 a couple times a month. Like, how the fuck are you going to tell me I'm not sober? But that Mm -hmm. is the thing. It's like, but this is prescribed by a doctor. So now it's, it's all weaves in together. Yeah. And to, to, and, and then at the end of the day, to thine own self be true Mm -hmm. and, and good luck to you. But if you're a celebrity and you're saying that you're drinking and you're smoking weed and you're, and you're tripping on acid and you're still sober, shut the fuck up. Because that's dangerous, you know? I mean, if, if you're someone like you, I mean, you are an influencer, you have a great podcaster, but if you want to take a point, whatever, Xanax, whatever, you know, it's, you're, you're not going to hurt other people. Whether or not you're sober or not, I'm not one to judge. It's not my place. But you're not going to influence, you know, millions of people out there. So, oh, no. you, you know. And I have said that before in my podcast. And then, I mean, then I made the switch to CBD oil, which has has helped me. So it's just like, Again, where is the line here where it's just like, okay, but I had a girl reach out to me the other day, asked me what my thoughts were on marijuana. I said, is marijuana your drug of choice? And she said, yes. I said, then that is a problem for you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Okay. (laughs) 
it does not matter what my point of view of this is. Do you have an issue with marijuana? And that's where you need to start, you know, because there are people who can't take Xanax, who over end up um, abusing prescription drugs Mm -hmm. and then they end up on heroin. So it's not for me to say what is right or what you shouldn't, what, you know, yeah. what substances you, you can be taking. But just the term California sober, like I told you before, suck a dick, stop, <laughs> stop yeah. with like that ownership of just like, okay, well, this is what we're doing over here in California when it's been happening around the world for years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, I can't even take a Pepto-Bismol. Seriously. Like, I mean, <laughs> I can't take shit. Yeah. And I know this about myself. I can't take shit. I can't mess with NyQuil anymore. No, there's so much alcohol in there. Yeah, I can't even mess with NyQuil anymore. That last time I took it, I was super sick. This was years ago, but it was giving me heart palpitations. I was like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) I know. Benadryl? Benadryl. Mm -mm. I can't take it. You know, I I can take Advil. (laughs) Same. I I can do Advil, and then that's like about it of nowadays with me. Oh, and then... We're going to wrap up in a minute, but I do have to tell you a a CBD story. Okay. I wanted to take the CBD oil. I did because I didn't think there was any harm in that at all. Mm -hmm. It happened where I was at like this street fair and I was talking to this hot guy and I felt like I had bad breath. All right. Literally, it started because this is my sex addiction. I I don't have sex addiction. I do have sex and love addiction, I guess you could say. So. All right. So it has to do with a hot guy. And I'm like, oh my God, here's this hot guy and I have bad breath. So I'm trying to find gum and I can't find any gum. So I go to this, this like stand and the girl's like, well, you know what? This is kind of minty. She's like, but it's, it's CBD. And I'm like, CBD. I'm like, I don't know. I'm an addict. She's like, no, it's just CBD. It's fine. You know, there's, and I'm like, okay. And I was like, I can take CBD. I know a lot of people that are addicts that take CBD. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that are advocates of CBD. I know there's no THC. Yeah. Uh, I specifically asked her. I live in uh, Florida where you can't, it's not like California. I take this gummy bear, this mint gummy bear of CBD. So my breath is good. So I can talk to this guy. So I don't have bad breath because I was hoping to kiss him. And then later, no, I'm just kidding. But (laughs) (laughs) I come home later that night. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, I'm stoned. Really? Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's because I haven't used in so many years, so long than my tolerance, but I was like, "Uh uh-uh. Oh my God, I can't. I can't do this because like, it really fucked with me because then it was like, oh, I can take this and I can feel like this every night. And then it just, I can't, I just can't. But that's what I mean. And that's what happens to, but that's what happens to people. So it's just like, who then are you to sit there and be like, oh yeah, do the California sober way. And this like, that can fuck people up, Sucks. you know? And that's what, and with the sober vibes, like I try to state that, that it it's addiction. <laughs> This is not just, I gave up alcohol for health reasons or because I just woke up one day and I was just like, you know what? This just really doesn't work for me. My shit was a struggle. I almost murdered my husband, you know, with a knife. So I thought maybe it'd be a good idea to stop drinking. Right. So like, that's how I talk about it and how I address it with people of it is an addiction. It's an addiction and addiction is a real thing. Alcoholism is a real thing and it's, it's science when it comes 
down to it at the end of the day. Yeah. And the mind is crazy because I mean, I'm still now I'm like, wait, maybe I can try that CBD again. <laughs> you know, like it's just, my mind is just crazy. Yeah. Well, but it's the same thing for anybody who has quit drinking. And then in 30, 60, 90 days, five years, six, nine, 10, they end up relapsing because it can take you down like that in a matter of a minute. Yeah. In a matter of a minute, your brain can be like, you know what? I can go and just moderate drinking and you're back to where you started or you're back and you overdosed and died because you used the same amount that you used 10 years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that, that happened. That's what happens with, uh, with opiates. That's unfortunately what happened to me. I overdosed because I just, I overdosed because, well, I got fentanyl, but oh. yeah, I got fentanyl and I didn't realize it, but yeah, people, they get sober, then they go out and they use and they use you know what they used to use and then their tolerance is all different and mm-hmm. whatever. So it's yeah. okay. So let's let's get uh let's get uh positive here. You got an awesome podcast and your sister, I know you and your sister are gonna be hilarious. I'd love to have her on the show. I have oh, yeah, you guys can yeah, yeah, you guys can talk about you should totally have her on the show. You guys can talk about how you smoke crack behind dumpsters together. Yes. <laughs> that was another thing when we had our phone conversation prior to the podcast. I was like, oh, yeah, I love your sister, fellow dumpster crack smoker from the Midwest, because I'm from Cleveland. So, right. Um, Kim, yeah. and I, Kim and I laugh about that all the time. I, I tell her all the time, I really wish you had a picture of yourself. And people probably think it's like sick and twisted, but this, you have to use your humor in this journey. You got to laugh at yourself. It can't be all serious, as you stated in the beginning. Like, you, got, you can process and, and, laugh through it and it actually makes you feel better. And that's one yeah. tool I've used from day one is just to laugh a little bit each day, you know? Yeah. And so we make fun of ourselves because I what else are you supposed it. to do? Are you supposed to sit there for the rest of your life and be all serious and doom and gloom about it? It's like, no, you didn't get sober just to sulk. You got sober to live a fun life and experience stuff. Yeah. And and this is what I, what I tell people and what I used to say when I, when I, worked with addicts and treatment is like, yeah, we have to laugh at ourselves when it's time to be serious. There's a time to be serious really. And, Absolutely. and when, when it comes to like serious shit with my recovery, I'm serious. However, you know, I do, I have to laugh at myself. I have to look back at some of the stuff that I did and just shake my head and be like, Oh my God. Well, and, and I'm, and I'm sure you're like me, you know, I can't, I will never regret anything except for drinking and driving during during my active addiction because it brought me to the place that I am today. And mm-hmm. there was about 10% of the time that I really did have fun and enjoyed myself in situations where I was drinking. So I'm never going to be like, motherfucker, like, fuck you, yeah. alcohol. <laughs> fuck you, big alcohol companies. Like, yeah. not because that's not the case because I did mm-hmm. have some fun. Oh, I had some parties like you wouldn't believe. Right. Good times. But 90% of the time, me and alcohol just did not go together. It was not good. It was toxic. It was terrible. So it was time to break up with it. And you come to terms with that. And but you have to accept who you were. You really do have to accept that person. It takes a long time, but once you do start accepting some things and, and working through it you start becoming at peace with yourself. Yes. And then that's where too, the laughter comes in because I can shake my head that my fucking nickname used to be Cornado. (laughs) (laughs) 
Cornado. Oh, Cornado, Cornitory. I love it. Right. Or the last time I smoked crack, having my one friend who was a bigger pig than me when it came to alcohol, but he looked at me and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, oh, you don't want any of this? He was like, no, what are you doing? (laughs) I love you. Because I mean, like Courtney, she's... People that know me, they 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 know what I look like. They know my Instagram, like blonde girl, you know, dresses kind of slutty and everything. Uh, Courtney, well, right now she's kind of fat, but that's only because she's pregnant. But, you know, Courtney's good looking, cute, you know, Midwest chick and everything. Talking about smoking crack. Yeah. I love it. Like, I love it. You know, yeah, but um, that's the thing. You can't deny what you did. It's just like, mm-hmm. this is what happened. And it's helped me. It's helped me overcome my own shit to be out loud in my own process because it was so it it's helped me overcome shame to be honest so i I recommend it if people can do it cool if it helps you process it but it does move some things along faster somebody needs like a little extra help sober coach whatever what 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 are your what are your digits girl how can they find you uh you can visit my website courtneyrecovered.com you can uh, find me on Instagram, Sober Vibes, and then, of course, the podcast. I have links and all of that stuff, or you can email me, SoberVibes at gmail.com. Okay. Uh, just reach out. Of course, I have my Facebook group. And I do have to say is I work mainly with women. In my Sober Focus group coaching program, it's all women. I don't allow men in there. Same thing for my Sober Vibes Facebook community. It's just for women only. I'm not, I can't get into all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, boys, they're smelly. Well, I'm just, it, I saw this in a bunch of other groups early on in sobriety and Facebook when these Facebook groups were popping on of just, and women do it too. Women do it too. But just the, it, I'm not here for interaction, for dating currently, you know what I mean? Or people preying on each other in early Oof. recovery. Oh my God. Because it's disgusting. Yeah. Eh. And that's not why you're there, you know? Well, you're, yeah, tr- trust me. You're talking to somebody that met her ex-husband in treatment five days sober. Okay. So oh. yeah, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, but well, this was awesome. I had a really good time with you. I, Hopefully I get to come on your podcast too. Yes, it's awesome. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I just invited myself. I'm the one, I'm that girl. And uh, have a great time. And I know you're on bed rest, so we'll be, you know, just like, uh, you know, sending out positive, beautiful vibes for you. And that'd be a great time to check out uh, my buddy, David G. Yeah, I'm going to check him out. And for sure, I will have you on for season three because I'm about to wrap up season two of the podcast because I'm not trying to worry about it in my um, when the baby comes, you know, Go have your baby girl. Go have right. your baby. Okay. Exactly. Congratulations. Thank and, you. Uh, yes. Love you. Best of luck. Awesome show. Thank you. All right. Thank you. This has been Sober Exposure with Jennifer Wilde. Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast.